Hello and welcome to Yagmore Soap Opera, episode 51, Inside the Cage of Hope or Death. I'm Andy and I'm joined by one of the regular co-hosts, Zach. Going to have a look at the event that fired in Classic this week and then we're going to have a look at some previews of cards from the upcoming sets. Going to jump straight in and have a look at the daily event that fired on the 21st. Zach, do you want to lead us in with the first deck? Yeah, so coming in uh, first place here, or I guess the only undefeated deck, is Skype Sucks, which is ironic because we're on Skype right now. Um, this guy went 4-0 with a uh, good game Oath variant. The single Dragon Breath, uh, very, it looks like pretty typical typical version here. Um, is, is this Cat Weasel with a new account? I don't know. I don't think so. I think this is someone else. If I remember correctly, wouldn't Cat Weasel in this event? That's why I wondered, because uh, didn't George tell us that he lost to Cat Weasel, having played Affinity? No, 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 no. Yeah, no, now I know it's not Cat Weasel. He lost to Cat... He, he beat Cat Weasel and lost to this one. Ah, okay. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, basically this is just a typical deck. It's it's the one, it's running the Elish Norn sideboard trick, which we all agree is pretty strong, especially in this field yeah. with all the uh, small dudes. Um, yeah, Elish Norn is so cheap right now, and uh, such a house in Classic, I would definitely go and pick up a few copies. Definitely, definitely. Um, it's, uh, it's just, it hoses so many decks. Um, but yeah, so who came up next here? Well, next up is, uh, well, we'll just say it's, a, it's one of our co-hosts uh, who isn't with us today. He has uh, some important business to do, so um, we're, we're running the show without Wiffy Penguin. But uh, last week in the daily event, he went 3-1 with the Affinity build, um, capable of spitting out um, huge amounts of creatures and just beating face uh, by turn 2 or 3. Um, I'm sure he would have been... Uh, would have been slightly gutted to have missed out on going 4-0 because he was running four Memory Jars main deck, and uh, those paying attention will know that there's a a challenge laid down by um, Cat Weasel. Um, if you're able to 4-0 a daily event with four Memory Jars main deck, you'll get a foil Snapcaster Mage. So looks like our good buddy uh, George was pretty close to scooping that prize there, but uh, ironically, he lost to Oath of Druids. Yeah, and that's it's kind of funny because I think two podcasts ago we were having a back and forth here on the percentages and oath versus uh, affinity. And the funny part is in rounds three and four, George faced a fit, uh, oath, and the the you funny part in round three he faced Cat Weasel and he beat her two zero with this deck. And and she said something really funny that I caught a glimpse of when I was watching the replays. She said, 15 percent, huh?" Smiley face. <laughs> Yeah, so and uh, that, that's pretty funny. And when you look at the sideboard as well, I mean, it's pretty much set up to try and beat Oath with uh, the four ensnaring bridge and the the four Caracas as well. Yep, yep, definitely. It's uh, it's a beat. So uh, yeah, that was uh, that was George with uh, with the affinity build. Next up, we've got a guy who I've not seen in uh, seen in classic before, Norge, and he's running an old favorite of Excorpio. It's the old. Uh, Hermit Druid build with the Narcomoebas and the um, the Mimeoplasm, Lord of Extinction, um, kill off the Dread Return. So, yeah, looks good. Nice to see this deck back. It's been off the radar for a bit, what with all the Delver decks running around. But um, Hermit Druid, yeah, capable of some quick busted wins. 
Well, you see, one thing this guy did that might not be noticeable in the front is he took out the laboratory maniac playing in the sideboard, and he added more misdirections. So he's running three misdirections, which I don't think we've seen much in classic. No, we haven't. He's got uh, he's got one in the main as well, so he's got four overall. Definitely. I mean, I guess I guess it's pretty cool. I mean, you, with this kind of deck, you just need to create that window in which to go off. Yeah. Um. So you know, misdirecting the counter spell or some other. Target effect, uh, maybe a, a dress or a thought seize or something like that. It's going to break up your ability to delay the combo. Then fair enough, yeah, good play. Yep, yep. And uh, of course, you can't misdirect duress, and the only card that hurts him really Sorry, is thought yeah, sure. seize. So he, he, it's definitely a good card for him because against him, duress doesn't do much. But thought seize, only one that you can target, is actually really, uh, really a house against him. So maybe a good call. Absolutely, absolutely. And then next up is uh, Naoto, who's been uh, storming the classic queues of late and had a real late surge in the Player of the Year race last time out. He is uh, rec- um, running the old um, Gush Delver deck that he's had for a few weeks now and uh, kind of criticised him, or not criticised him, but commented last time out that he had a, a good old mixture of creatures and maybe he hadn't decided which were the... Uh, the best packages to run, but he kind of come back to us on the comments and uh, said that each of the creatures has a good place in the deck and it's a good balance, so fair play to him, and he's made the money again. Definitely, yeah. Check out our comments from last week's article to hear uh, yeah. Naoto's thoughts on it. Yeah, I think it's really pretty funny and kind of cool that it's taken almost a year for Fastbond and the Gush Engine to really have an impact in Classic, and I think really it's been the the, the the style of deck that it's changed to fit into. Uh, initially, people were trying to squeeze Gush into Tendrils of Agony-based kills or um, just trying to build up uh, enough tempo with uh, with Quirin Druid. But uh, this is this is really the home of, uh, of Gush now and uh, seems to be synergizing really well with that package that we've looked at over and over again in the, in the podcast over the last couple of weeks. So, cool stuff. Yeah, and on that same trend. I mean, look at the next deck here. It's very similar. The, the thing about the next deck, though, is it really looks like... Um, and, and I guess you, you kind of got to take uh, Na- Naoto's into account like this as well, but the next guy has the Tendrils main deck, so he actually isn't totally abandoning the alternative win condition, but you can see with the creature the creatures that he selected. This is Enric. He, uh, he definitely is still uh, creature-heavy. It's not totally combo. Yeah, absolutely, but it's useful to see that as a as a good backup plan there with the tendrils. I just noticed. So that, have you have you seen that uh, Naoto's running sixty one? Oh no, I didn't realize he was running a sixty one card special. That's funny. Yeah, I don't know. The old sixty one card special seems to do remarkably well. Yeah, yeah, you never know. But you, you I, see again, you know, like this week, we it's kind of the same trend that we've been noticing. I mean, there's one non blue deck, and it's Whiffy. In the the money decks here, absolutely, and and uh, traditional workshop decks completely off the radar. They just can't handle these uh, these Delver decks. Yeah. They just really can't handle it. Um, kind mean, of odd. We were one, so scared of what our workshops were going to do. If one lands, I mean, it's it. I don't know what they can do besides like playing something horribly ineffective, like a duplicate or a Hellkite. Yeah. Okay. Or a Hellkite. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of strange. I mean, in some of these, they, they have ways to go around it. I mean, 
maybe they're not always the best, but they run, uh, like Sabrelod's old version was running, he was bringing back Maze of Ith, and it was, you know, he pulled out so much mana in the beginning, in the later turns he could just drop the lands like that, and, uh, you know, battle some of these, I'm, I'm kind of surprised, I'm almost to the point where I'm starting to feel bad for shops, which is something I never thought I'd do, but... I never thought it would completely and utterly drop off the radar like it has... It's it's really it's really insane. I mean, it's pretty unprecedented. I mean, there's no bannings. Nothing has been banned to make that deck worse or less effective. And the numbers it was putting up while Delver was printed were astoundingly good still. Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, can you imagine a 1-1 one, one creature as grounded shops? Yeah. And we'll come, we'll come on to a, a spoiler card for the upcoming set soon, and we'll see how a one-casting cost artifact might have the potential to... Uh, to down dredge. And others. And others. Um, so I guess that um, leads us nicely into the next section of the podcast this week there, Zach. We're going to have a quick look at some of the uh, the cards that have been spoiled for the upcoming set. Um, first up is uh, Tragic Slip. Um, it's an instant, one black mana, and uh, target creature gets minus one, minus one until the end of turn. But it also has a morbid effect, and... Uh, if, if, if it's played with uh, with Morbid, so if a creature's died and gone to the graveyard this turn, uh, you get the, the full effect of the Morbid trigger, and that creature gets minus 13, minus 13 until the end of the turn. Um, so I, I kind of think that this might have some fringe play in, uh, in Classic. It deals nicely with, uh, with Delver and um, Dark Confidant, and uh, can also, at a pinch, have a, a way to get rid of a Blightsteel Colossus. Yeah, that is true. Blightsteel Colossus or Tarmogoyf, which has been kind of annoying lately. Um, I mean, it's it's not as obviously as good as something like Swords to Plowshares. Um, you do have to trigger that morbid ability for the chance to take down a Blightsteel. Um, but the fact that it's in black um, kind of intrigues me. You know, I it's interesting. Black stuff. really doesn't have a lot of ways to deal with Blightsteel. Um I actually had a funny game in TP this past week where I had to use a... Uh, it was pretty funny and kind of resourceful. I had to use a Dismember on the Blightsteel because I had nothing on the board and I thought I had the win next turn. So I only took four, six damage and, four, and I took four life and I got one more turn and ended up winning luckily. But it, <laughs> it's, it's that always, was pretty cool. Those minus X, minus X effects can really you know give you, give you a turn or two. Even in that minus one, minus one, if you have one token, that could save you a turn. Yeah, absolutely. I haven't thought of it like that. I mean, um, at instant speed, I'm not sure what else Black has that could offer Blightsteel. Um, and then there's like Innocent Blood, but that's a sorcery. Um, well, at instant speed, Diabolic Edict. True, true. But, so, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I don't see this um, showing up all that often, but uh, I think it has some playability. I mean, uh, there's plenty of other 1-1 creatures in the format that you'd uh, you'd like to take aim at. Um you can offer a Goblin Welder as well, for example. Yep. So, um, Hermit Druid, who just uh, made three and one as well. So Orchard Token. I got, yeah, I'm not sure if it's as good as, say, Dark Blast or something like that, but... I oh, guess I, don't, the, I don't think it is, but... I mean, I don't, I don't know how easy it is to trigger that Morbid ability as well. That's the problem, is most black decks you play in Classic aren't going to have creatures, and if you don't have creatures, you can't guarantee that Morbid effect's going to trigger. Yeah. But, you know, uh, in, in true Zach fashion, I have to admit, I'd probably pass on it. I can't see it hitting any money in lists in the pro next two to three months. 
No, pro- probably not, but interesting enough. Anyway, we get down to the card that everyone's been uh, been talking about. It's a card that was spoiled fairly on in early on in the set, and um, when it made waves, it it made a huge impact um, just by the sheer uh, diversity of what the card can do. Um, so I guess we should have a look at it. Um, it's uh, Graf Digger's Cage, um, one colorless mana. Creatures can't enter the battlefield from the graveyard or the libraries. Players can't cast cards in graveyards or libraries. So, huge effect. Huge, huge effect. How do you see this impacting on classics, Zach? Well, I mean, let me let me start by saying this is really a strange move for, for Wizards. Because not only is this going to impact our format, and it's the reason we're really going to be talking about it, but think about how standard players must be feeling right now. You have a whole block whose only real, um, I guess, special things about it have been Flashback, Transform, and Graveyard. And this completely destroys two of those things. With a one-mana, ubiquitous, any deck can play this card. Have they ever done anything like that before? I know that I can think of it. It does seem a very strange move. Uh, It's so cheaply cost and has uh, uh, such a broad impact um against a range of strategies it just seems to be somewhat stifling I, I i don't really understand the purpose of it there was a recent article written on there uh, on wizards of the coast um forum's homepage to uh, to talk about why this card was printed and um kind of went into the justification of how sets are designed uh, ahead of time which we we knew anyway um and they put this card in the set they claim as a way to Ensure against any brokenness that might come from cards such as their uh, birthing pod. Um, but the, the impact of this card is going to have on the eternal formats for years to come is is massive. I can. I don't know. Like I'm 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 really in two camps with this card. On the one hand, I see the potential for this card to make some decks even better. It <clears throat> it. One of the biggest things this card does is, as a sideboard or main deck card, it counts as two sideboard cards. So four of these is literally eight slots. You have four to attack against graveyard-based strategies and four to attack against uh, deck manipulation strategies. Like, four of these count as eight cards in your sideboard against Oath and Dredge. I mean, it's ridiculous. Not only that, this fits right in with the MO of one of the the decks that have been most dominant right now, which is the Affinity Builds. And it enables shop, possibly, if you can figure out what to cut for it. I mean, you'd have to pr- cut prison, prison pieces, most likely. But between this and the Metamorphs, you have eight of these. With, I mean, Dredge has been a dog for that deck for a long time. Oath has always been a dog for that deck. The one thing you're probably losing, then, is the um, Crucible, or the Chalice of the Void. Because you don't want to use that on one anymore, if you're playing this, uh, in most matchups. Uh, if you're playing Storm, you do, but you know what I mean, in most matchups. It's it's just going to be interesting to see. I mean, are, are Oath decks going to, when they transform their sideboards, are they actually going to bring this in to make sure that the other Oath player can't go off? I mean, how wide-ranging is this going to be? Um, that's my one frame of mind. And then my other frame of mind is I think everybody's being a little bit chicken little about it. It's uh, it's one card. It's really easy to get rid of. Um 
No Rod didn't completely kill a lot of the decks that are, you know, going around, and it just seems so good in, in theory and in, in practice. It just hasn't made much of an effect in our format. So, I, I don't know. I don't know what this is going to do. What, what are your thoughts, Andy? It's it's really hard to kind of predict what it's going to do. Um, I think if we look at the classic environment right now, it probably isn't going to do as much as it would have done had, say, this card arrived six months earlier. I think we're in an environment now where we've got lots of... Uh, Lots of Delver and uh, kind of uh, gush-based strategies. Um, we've seen that, and we've got the affinity builds. The decks that have been making the making the money since the um, classic celebrations. Um, but I, I do feel that it's going to have a, a huge effect on 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 dredge and and on oath-based strategies. Decks are clearly going to have to adapt, and really depends whether this ends up being main deck or whether it. Be- Ends up being um, a catch-all from the sideboard. I, I think I think it's probably just going to be a sideboard card um, coming in. And like you say, the fact that it hits against so many different decks makes it a great um, four of in any sideboard. Um, so uh, it'll be an interesting time. Um, it's really going to hurt, I guess, kind of cards which are um, on the fringe, such as Snapcaster Mage and some of the other other newer tools that we've got in the format. I, I just think. It's an odd card to be printed, um, but it will shake up the formats, um, much like that 1-1 pesky transforming 3-2 flyer did. Um, it's kind of good to have the format shaken up, and uh, I think we said before that you can't keep looking to the banned and restricted list as a way to keep these formats vibrant, and if the format does become stale, then people do begin to lose interest, so... Having having it shaken up and having new targets and new decks to build and chase uh, are a good thing in my mind. It'll be interesting to see where where we end up. Um, not very good at predicting these uh, these big impacts to the metagame. Well, I, I think one thing you said was really interesting, and that is, what if this was released earlier? I was just thinking about that. If this was released with Enestrad, right? Like. I think this card would have right out of the box garnered way more attention than the little pesky 3-2 Insect Flyer. And I think this card, at that time, Shops was still really dominant. I think this card might have been able to possibly get something either restricted or start getting people to complain about Shops more if it was released in Innistrad. Which is really strange if you think about it. Because now Shops is so far gone... Um, I don't think there's even an argument to be made, you know? Mm. I don't know. Anyway, um, Graft Digger's Cage is a card everybody's going to be looking at for uh, a long time, so it'll be interesting to see what what it does to the classic metagame. Absolutely. Um, we'll move on. We've got a few other cards in the set to look at. Do you want to lead us into the next one, Zach? Yeah, the uh, the next one is the exact kind of card I would never play with because it's not my style of card or deck. But some people love this uh, cough cough animosity MOTL. Um, it's a little white weenie guy uh, named Thalia, Guardian of Thraben. It's one and a white, and it's a two one first striker. Uh, it's a legendary creature, human soldier. That's pretty important. And the text is non-creature spells cost one more to cast. So what this is basically is a little, uh, it's another little, basically a glow rider type effect. Except it's uh, a glow rider in the form of Thorn of Amethyst rather than uh, the sphere. Um, 
so it's it's kind of it's kind of neat, but I don't see any decks really wanting to run four of these or even close, just due to legendary. If there was no legendary, I could see this having a much bigger impact than it would otherwise. What do you think? I think it's pretty cool. I love the fact it's got first strike. Um, that first strike seems pretty relevant in the format. Um, but I, I actually think this could see. Um, a real good deck coming out of it, um, built, built around it. What with the Lean Interpreters, the Ghost Quarters, you know, all those kind of the Glow Riders. But there's although, so many two drops in white. Absolutely, but this has a huge effect of acting as a speed bump for your opponent to be able to deal with those number, vast number of two drop creatures. But um, I guess my point is, how many two drops can you run? Are, is this card better? Here's my question: Is this card better than True Believer? True, True Believer, I think, is strictly better in the sideboard against some decks. Generically, I'd rather run this dude. Because, in theory, you'd have a bunch of creatures, right? Yeah. I don't know. Like, 2-1 First Striker, to me, just seems like crap. I know you say it's, like, real relevant, but I don't know really where. If you attack with this, that's great. I won't block. I'll attack with my 2-1-2. And if you don't attack, then what's it really doing? Um, I'll just <coughs> wait well, and get my mana. Shomps is off the radar right now, so it's probably a bad example. But uh, this holds off Slash Panther. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it can hold off some things. My my main problem is it won't hold off the number one threat in the format, which is a 3-2 flyer. And uh, it won't hold off Tarmogoyfs, which are kind of like raising their head up a little bit. It's not really like the kind of creature that makes me think, wow, this will stop a lot of things in the format. Um the non-creature spell is costing one more. That's fine. I'll pay one more mana for my oath. It's now two and a green. Uh, that, that's kind of my gist. I, you can't run four of these, so the, the sphere effect of it becomes less prevalent. So I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a huge I fan. Know. I think. I think White's gathering a kind of critical mass of spells, which could come together quite nicely. I mean, you, you look at things like Stony Silence. Yeah. Avid Mind. I just think that. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of these kind of um, shop-esque type cards within the color now, and uh, there's no reason why it can't dip into some of the traditional shop cards as well. No, I mean, I, I guess not, but we've kind of seen that in Legacy, right? What was that? Um, Death and Taxes, was it? The mono-white weenie deck? That did pretty well for a while, but I don't think it stands a chance in Classic. I just don't think... <laughs> I don't think creatures like that are, are good enough. I mean, they're not as good as a 3-2 flying blue dude, and, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I've been, I've been wrong before. I'm wrong a lot. But I just don't think white weenie in classic is a, is a viable strategy. It's, it's the equivalent of red deck wins to me. Yeah, sure. Okay, well, we'll move on. We've got some uh, some sketchy cards now, and um, no, normally this section of the podcast, the uh, identification of uh, spoiler cards to discuss is done by our good friend George, but he couldn't make it, so... Um, I've picked out a few cards that I think George may have also picked out. Um, doesn't necessarily mean they're good, but worthy of discussion, and um, we, we'll have a look at them anyway, just to uh, give you some more flavor of the cards in the set. So next up, we've got Grave Crawler. Um, it's a black, it's a zombie. It can't block, and you can cast it from your graveyard as long as you control a zombie. Um. So it's kind of maybe useful to keep bringing cards back from the from the graveyard. The fact that it's a 2-1 dork uh, means that it can hold a skull clamp and die, and 
potentially you can then bring it back for one black mana if you've got another zombie. Um, I just don't know that there's enough zombies that are viable in the format to make this work. Which is crazy when you think about it. How many zombies must there be in all these sets? Oh yeah, I mean there's there's hundreds of zombies, but uh, I'm I'm struggling to uh, to rack my brain for a classic playable zombie at the moment. Yeah, I hear you. I don't think it's playable just because of that. If there was no precursor on it that you had to have a zombie in play, awesome. But yeah. Yeah, I mean I'd rather have Bloodgast. I think if I was going to go with some sort of Skull clamp maneuver, yeah. Um, yeah, you know the ability to to bring back a blood gas off of a, a fetch land. Hey, or, is a blood gas zombie? Um, possibly. I'd have I'm to have look a it look. Up now. Hold on one second. Blood gas. Could be onto something if it is. No, it's not. It's a vampire okay. spirit. Okay. Well, there we go. Like, I really can't think of any zombies at the moment, so... What about Vampire Hexmage? That sounds like it's a vampire, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we're just uh, clutching at scrolls now. Okay, well, we'll move on. Probably completely unplayable. Um, so This next cool. card, I gotta say, this next card intrigues me a little bit. Andy, Andy was kind of surprised that I said that <clears throat> before the show, but... I gotta admit, <clears throat> anything that has like an unlimited you draw a card can be good. And I don't really know how to make this good because it costs three mana and it doesn't do anything until you do this once. But isn't that how Yogmoth's will is? It costs three mana and doesn't do anything until you have stuff in your graveyard? I mean, this card, in theory, if you have a lot of things you can do from your graveyard or even... Aren't there some spells that make flashback cost two less or something like that? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't know. I really, 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 really fringe playable. I I don't think it would have any effect on the classic metagame, but I think it could be cool, even even if it's just casual. Yeah, I mean you've got to you've got to load up your graveyard. You've got to be able to play those spells from the graveyard, and then you've got to be able to chain it into stuff, and then you end up with cards in your hand and you don't draw a card for playing those cards from the hand, unless they then are able to be played from the graveyard once you've played them from your hand. I don't know, it all seems a little bit sketchy. Um, I don't think we've got the tools to make this work yet. Maybe there's something coming down the line for it. Yep, maybe it's but, um, foreshadowing. Like, discard your hand, you may play cards from your graveyard or something. Possibly, yeah, possibly. That would be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what, what was that really uh, rubbishy card from Ravnica Block where you discarded your hand for one black mana? I think that was actually Kawagama Block, but it was. Was like, it? Yeah, it was something just terrible. I think that was like <laughs> the only time it was ever used as a sideboard for those Owling Mind decks. Oh, wow. Wow. And then we've got um, two more cards for you. Um, increasing Confusion is next up. No. It's blue, blue in the next. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, basically, it's just uh, a mill card. Um, a mill card on uh, on drugs. You get to mill your opponent for X, and then you can flash back and mill them again. So, yeah, you need the mana really to pump into this, and it's something that if you had that kind of mana in classic, there's plenty of other things to do. Agreed. Agreed. Um, yeah. next guy is Gultree, and at first I was like. 
this is a really stupid card, and I, I still think it's probably pretty stupid because it doesn't do anything like trample. But talk about a legitimate dude to play if you have um, dredge. Eh, I guess not even then. I don't even think it'd be rough to get seven cards in your graveyard without emptying your hand. So yeah, I, I'm struggling finding a home for this guy too. Well, you need seven creatures in your graveyard. That's uh, that's hefty. That's a huge ask, but there are ways, I guess, of of achieving that. Um, but like you say, without without trample or without poison or without some sort of evasion, he is just a ten ten beat stick, which can probably be held off for enough turns where he's not going to be relevant. Yeah. Uh, but if you are able to cheat a ten ten into play for say four mana by having three creatures in your graveyard. That's a pretty formidable threat. Um, I yeah, I don't think it's really going to have the legs for for classic without some way of uh, cheating on the combat. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that it's um, it's not able to, I guess, have any other abilities like trample or must be blocked by two creatures or something. I would have really made it almost playable, but yeah, as is, I don't think it's good enough. Um, you know, there's there's one other card that I kind of want to look at from this set, um, and really, um, I think this card is more, more standard, but I kind of like the way this card looks, just because it's so cool what it does, and if any deck could use this, this would be like an affinity kind of deck. I don't know if it could ever cast this, but... Have you looked at the new uh, Soren Planeswalker? Uh, no, I haven't. Not in too much detail, anyway. Well, <clears throat> it's uh, two and one white and a black, and it starts with three loyalty. Um, the yeah. first... I... Sorry, I'll just look the card up on eBots. Okay. Yeah, check it out. So, just for the for the crowd here, I'll go through it real quick. Um, it's three loyalty, and... Uh, one put a plus one pl- put a one one black vampire creature token with lifelink onto the battlefield. Minus two, you get an emblem that says creatures you control get plus one plus zero. Now, the third ability is minus six. Destroy up to three creatures and or other planeswalkers. Return each card put in a graveyard this way to the battlefield under your control. So think about this in two ways. Number one. This card can just let you block if you're playing against a stupid creature deck. Uh, you know, it just makes little dudes who give you life every turn. And uh, every time you do that, you increase the loyalty counters. Now, on the other side of it, if you have a deck that reaches critical mass, like Affinity does, that emblem that gives all creatures you control plus one plus zero doesn't go away. That's not a one-turn thing. You can do that twice in a game and get plus two plus zero. And I think that's a pretty ridiculous... Ridiculous effect. I don't. I don't think that's quite sunk in with all these guys. I'm telling you right now. Looking at this card, uh, I don't know if this will have an effect on classic right away. I don't know if it'll ever have an effect on classic. But I'll tell you right now, in standard, that just makes it. It looks to me like they want tokens to be amazing. I can't figure out why you wouldn't, uh, or why they wouldn't, if this wasn't true. Uh, Andy, we talked about another card that I thought was good. That um, I don't know if we're going to put a picture up for, but uh, the two and a white. Make two flying creature dudes, and then one in a black to flash it back. So for five mana, you get four one one flyers. 
pretty, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. pretty ridiculous. I mean, there are just some good cards in this set that I think, you know, it's impossible for us to hit every one of them. Just like there are always going to be the, uh, the little 3-2 insect flying dudes, Delver of Secrets and whatnot in sets. We'll never get everything. But there, there are some neat cards in this set. They're definitely stretching the design limits now. Yeah, I mean, I guess really what holds us back in Classic is the white-black color combination. Yeah, I mean... I mean, if this, is black, if this was a black and a blue Planeswalker, I absolutely think it could see play. Let me ask you something. Why it, wouldn't it be possible then to have, like, one of these... Um, you, you were just talking about that other guy who's a prison control element. Why couldn't you do a black-white prison control style, style deck with something like this and, and rock some uh, mana denial, uh, graveyard searching denial, uh, run uh, wastelands and strip mine and some thought seizes, maybe a Soren? Just have black be the splash. I'm sure Scorpio's already on it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Anyway, just some cards to keep in mind. I, I think there's some neat cards. I mean, there's some other cards in here that are just strange. Like, I don't know if there's one, this Artifact, Chalice of Life, Chalice of Death, costs three, and if you get it to flip, every time you tap it, target player loses five life, and it's an uncommon. That's pretty pretty good effect there. I don't know. Um, just lots of cards. I'm sure we'll miss some. I always feel bad about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've, we've missed a few in the, in the time of the podcast, but... Um... If we do, we'll pick them up and we'll talk about them when they become relevant. Agree. So. Definitely. And last week we forgot to touch on the cage match. And uh, we'd mentioned that we were going to. So before we uh, cut out for this week, we'll, we'll go over it real quick. Are you in it this time, Andy? No, I'm not. I, I, I've been uh, kind of preoccupied uh, learning a few new skills outside of magic. So uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm afraid. Okay, well, uh, I am, and I believe George is. I think George is playing a 4C Fish-style deck. I haven't talked to him, so I won't speak on his behalf, but I'm running the deck that, or, or a deck similar to the one that I talked about three or four episodes back, like Scorpio's uh, list that looks similar to mine, the, the Deed Still list. I took that list, and I tweaked it once again, changed the sideboard around, took out some of the like, Seeds of Innocence and added Hercules Recall and... and Changed some things around for, for what I think was going on with the metagame. Uh, and I'm running that. I actually ended up getting a buy. I don't know how I did that, but that's fun time. So I haven't played any matches yet, but I should be playing one next week. And uh, I'll touch up on that then. So hopefully George will be back and he'll be able to get onto it as well. But just letting you guys know we're not just uh, shoving that under the mat. We just don't have too much to talk about it yet. So how, how do you think the, the Deed Steel deck sort of fares against the metagame? Which of the matchups which are sort of 85%, 15% in your favor? <laughs> You're a bad boy. Um, <laughs> you know, really, I, I made the deck because it eats alive. Uh, Affinity decks and um, Delver decks. And that's really what it's made for. It, it eats little creatures alive. There's not really much you can do against... Pernicious Deed and Recurring Land, uh, Life from the Loams, tons of counter magic and Jaces and Mistress Factories. I mean, there's not a lot going on for Creatures deck in that regard. But the tougher matchups for me would definitely be like a, uh, a Storm matchup might be a little bit hard. Definitely Game 1 Dredge is 
nay unwinnable. I don't have any tinker outs or anything like that. It's just I'm going to lose, basically. Unless they keep a one-land uh, bizarre hand, I waste it, and they don't get any good dredgers. That's almost my only hope. But, yeah, I mean, it should be fun. I have a lot of hate post-board for Dredge. I think I'm running, like, four Ley Lines and three Surgicals and three Sought Seizes. So, uh, yeah, it's it's got a game. I'm, I'm excited to play with it. Cool, cool. Uh, so the cage is underway. Uh, there's uh, 27 odd players this time out, and uh, hopefully once that's finished, we'll get into Season 4 of MMOG's League and uh, keep Classic ticking along. The other thing on the tournament organization front is um, the Classic Quarter Player of the Year, um, Danger Linto, the um, founder of Classic Quarter, who has uh, run the run the race every year, is uh, is continuing it, and he seems to have got um, Woxie buy-in. But interestingly, this year, in response to some criticism from last year's event, they're going to have quarterly prizes. Um, so the winner of each quarter will receive uh, a prize. And to support this um, prize, there's going to be a player-run event um, each quarter, which will count towards the race. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if um, anyone can, can can hook up all the quarters and, and take down the, the entire season, or whether there'll be four different players throughout the year. Yep, yep. I think there'll be a prize as well for the uh, for the overall winner at the end of the year. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see the way it goes this year. I'm I'm kind of interested to see how they do the wishes and stuff like that. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be neat. Um, I don't think any of it's fully like ingrained and written in, in ink on the paper yet, but it's pretty strong likelihood that's gonna go through exactly like you're saying. Yeah, it sounds sounds like it, and that'll be pretty cool. Um, another quick thing, um, Painter Servant is uh, is fixed in client. Uh, I think we mentioned a while back during the celebration that that card card was slightly bugged and was causing games to crash. And uh, not only were the games crashing, but they were preventing uh, people getting back into the uh, into the event. So you were basically being forced to drop totally. So uh, good news that that's been um, totally fixed up. Yep. Very, very, very cool. So uh, we'll see how everything goes, guys. As always, we thanks for, thank you for uh, tuning in, and uh, I think Hammer's going to wrap us up here. I will do. Um, we've got the, the classic challenges, just a reminder that they're ongoing. Won't run through them again, but the text is in the article if you're interested in competing for some spicy cards. Um, that's it, guys. We'll um, take a quick moment to thank our sponsors and our hosts, um, puremtgo.com and mtgotraders.com. And we shall see you in seven, hopefully, with the return of the AWOL Penguin. Take care, guys. See you later, guys. Thanks for coming in. Bye.